This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Talk money to me. Hello and welcome to Talk Money To Me, your financial podcast where we explore the markets, investable ideas, and chat to leading industry experts to help you navigate your money in the markets. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Candace Burke. And I'm Felicity Thomas. Now today we have a very special guest joining us on Talk Money To Me. That's right. I am super, super, super excited to be speaking with one of Australia's top female fund managers, June Bay Loon. The global pandemic has come at a great human and economic cost. Well, we're being warned the Reserve Bank could drive the economy into recession if it delivers another rate hike during tomorrow's meeting. Investment Portfolio Manager June Bailu joins us now in the studio. June Bay, thanks so much for your time. Joining us today, I'm speaking with June Bailu, who's a Portfolio Manager at Tribeca Partners. On the program tonight, we have June Bailu of Tribeca Alpha Plus, and I've gotten to look at three interesting stocks that the analysts like. So June is the portfolio manager of Tribeca's Alpha Plus Fund. Since taking over the sole responsibility of managing this fund, she has quadrupled their assets under management. Yes, that is incredible. So clearly she is one of the top fund managers here in Australia. Now a little bit more about the fund. So the fund has an alpha target of 5 to 6%, which is a common target for concentrated funds. What makes this fund different is its diversified portfolio. Now the fund holds on average 60 to 70 long positions and 30 to 40 short positions. So that translates to a target allocation of 150% long and 50% short with a maximum of 50% short exposure. Now, the short positions are actually reinvested into the preferred stocks to maintain market exposure, and the process involves a blended fundamental and quantitative investment process. And a little bit about their performance, the fund inception was actually the 18th of September 2006 and has an impressive 9.22% per annum return since inception, beating the benchmark by 2.53%. Yeah, so that, you know, 200 basis points plus of alpha is really impressive with the benchmark. As an advisor, we always look at, you know, the fund management's track record, but also are they beating benchmark? And this one is definitely doing that. So a bit more about June Bay Lu herself. As you'll hear in this chat today, she is very passionate, so motivated and inspiring, really. Um, that the analysts yeah, like. So a bit more about Jumbe Lu that you'll hear in this episode today. She is very, very, very passionate, motivating and inspiring in the funds management business. She's dedicated her career and building up to be one of the best portfolio managers in Australia for at least 18 years, career at Tribeca. She started back in 2005 as an equity analyst and has spent the years growing up the portfolio and confidence and of course expertise to take over the fund, which was back in 2019. She's fluent in Mandarin and English and has learned English back when she was only 16 years old when she migrated to Australia from China. 
June frequently appears on lots of media outlets discussing her thoughts on the market and why Australian investors cannot ignore the Chinese market, which she goes into a lot of detail with our chat today. She's also a regular special guest uh, speaker and I guess pitcher, if you're going to call it that, to the annual Australian Sewn Hearts and Mind Conference. Last year, she went long on a Chinese stock, which was the Chinese tourism group Duty Free Corporation. And I remember at the conference, she was saying it's one of the largest duty free operators in China with around 90% market share. So we're super excited to be speaking to June about all of the market convictions she's got in the portfolio and her thoughts on the Australian reporting season to date. Yeah, this is a really, really, really insightful episode. Now, before we get into this conversation, though, as always, please remember our chat today is not considered personal advice. Even though we're registered advisors at Shore and Partners, please note that the podcast and the content discussed does not constitute financial advice, nor is it a financial product, and everything is based on facts not at the time of recording, which is the 29th of August, 2023. So June, we are so excited to be speaking to you on Talk Money to Me about the markets, about valuations and, you know, a few ideas that you have at the moment. But before we get into all of that, look, it's been a really busy month as we were chatting about um, before coming onto the show with you, because here in Australia, it's reporting season and we're just wrapping. So overall, we'd love to get your thoughts and perspectives. If you could, I guess, score it out of 10, what would you give it? And I'd love to hear your key themes and just points for this reporting season that you've noted. Look, absolutely. In terms of the uh, quality of result and then, you know, Alice upgrades and downgrades out of 10, I would say this one is sitting somewhere in the five. So, um, you know, let me break it down into different themes and what is happening. So before the reporting season, we thought we will see, um, you know, revenue weakness, weak guidance um, and costs remain to be high um, and, uh, you know, interest rate might be, um, you know, some issues because the interest rate has gone up so significantly uh, for heavily indebted companies. That, that will be impact. Um, you know, throughout the reporting season, some of those themes have played out, um, actually to the extent much more so than we expected, to be honest. Um, now, first of all, uh, revenue is slowing, but that's a very interesting trend. It is slowing. Uh, the trading update for uh, July was uh, weak from most of the retailers and the like. However, um, you know, compared to um, analyst expectations, revenue is actually not too bad. So that kind of just... Um, you know, sort of says the, um, you know, the corporates in Australia is still, you know, in terms of demand, they're doing okay. Um, our economy sort of is ho- holding okay, even though this early sign is slowing, but it's doing okay. Now, the cost front is interesting um, because, you know, we have had rising costs for quite some time now, um, for at least 18 months because of the inflation, uh, inflationary pressure on the corporate earnings. Um, but still, when the cost line came through um, and then the guidance for the cost is we still saw analyst downgrades for that cost front. So we actually saw the margin uh, continue to get compressed heading into the next financial year, 2024. Um, so that cost front is still, um, we see still seeing a bit of downgrade. And then the next one, which is the interest rate, um, you know, high interest rate impact on the more heavily indebted companies. Now, this is a fascinating one where, um, you know, we saw downgrades, but the downgrades 
rates were enormous. We sort of, you know, had a look at to see why the analysts sort of failed to see that the interest cost was going to be significantly higher than most of the expectations. Um, uh, I think it comes down to the, you know, most of analysts and most of us investors, we really just haven't seen rising uh, interest rate uh, environments really, um, you know, in the many, many, you know, previous few decades. Um, you know, we've seen interest rate go up and down, but never in this rapid rate. Um, and how quickly a company can react to those rising rate, whether they're hedging it out or whether they do other form of, uh, you know, a uh, way to sort of alleviate that pressure. So, you know, so it came through that the biggest downgrade actually uh, for corporate outlook is actually coming from uh, high interest costs. Oh, it's incredible. Even for the, uh, so particularly for the um, the listed property trust space where, you know, normally analysts are really on top of <laughs> every single estimate. You know, they're normally very, very closely following um, every move, every yield curve move, um, and then have the forecast normally more or less in line. Uh, but this report Reporting season, we just saw enormous downgrade across that sector because of the high interest costs. So, you know, so net net, we had a big downgrade for next year. Um, you know, share price held up okay, uh, but look at the downgrade for next year in terms of earnings, um, it is pretty significant. That makes sense. Your score is five out of 10. It's a pass mark, but it's not fabulous. And there's a lot of, I guess, themes that you've unpacked there, but on a high level, expectations from analysts in the market were low because of what we've come out. And it makes sense with the compression in margins and costs because of the environment that we're in with, with you know, higher inflation. So I guess, you know, my, my little comment here, if I can, um, because then we're going to talk about, you know, more, more surprising beats and misses in the markets, but is that why do you think it's fair to say that it's the volatility is just really throwing out this reporting season? Because it might be good on face value report. The re- response in the market is different to what we're normally expecting. So you mentioned earlier that uh, liquidity is a little bit of an issue in the market at the moment. Yeah, look, absolutely. I think the thing with liquidity is that, um, you know, uh, the, the, there's not enough investor have confidence to step in to support the share price. Um, and then just not enough people trading the shares. So, well, you know, when you have... Uh, uh, you know, a result maybe slightly missed the expectations, um, and um, you know, investors just want to sell it. Um, and then, because there's no liquidity, share price move has been significant. Um, sometimes up to you know 20, 30 percent on a tiny downgrade uh, or tiny upgrade. So you know, it has definitely uh, magnified the impact of the actual underlying results. Um, I think another interesting thing is that you know, investor positioning is very interesting for this reporting season because you know, for example, for the retail sectors, you know, we actually saw a slightly weakening uh, top line growth, um, you know, in the July trading update, um, and consumer is showing a bit of sign of weakness. However, share price, many of the retailers' share price has rallied away. Um, it really comes down to very limited expectations for those companies, and the share price was perhaps just a little bit too cheap. Um, so we are sort of seeing, um, you know, opposite move of those um, those sectors that were sold off quite significantly leading up to the reporting season. Yeah. I think it's also really interesting that a lot of investors aren't really having a lot of patience at the moment either. And I think maybe they're weighing up the fact that, you know, they can get maybe 5% uh, risk-free in a term deposit Mm. versus potentially a lot less slash no income for a lot of the small cap and micro cap. So I think that's also very interesting. Now, what companies from reporting so far have really been a surprise beat for you? Oh, look, <laughs> well, we don't, we don't have surprise beats. We have, we have beats that were positioned for those beats. <laughs> we of course, of them. course, of course. <laughs> 
look, at, look, there's quite a few companies that we had really good uh, results. But I would say this one is, it is a bit of a surprise because, uh, you know, we knew the result was going to be good um, and it's on reasonable multiple and it's got good growth. But then they talked about something we didn't quite, um, you know, know the extent of it, which is Goodman Group. You know, it is a large company, um, you know, property trust in the industrial space, um, you know, delivers double digit growth year in, year out, um, you know, have fantastic pipeline around the world, you know, and then the yield in terms of the um, the, the, the property um, that they hold in the industrial space, things are going well. Um, so we know the result was going to be quite good. And then we're happy to spend more, um, you know, we're happy to spend, um, you know, buy more into the result, given the share price sort of underperformed the market. Um, but then come result day, they spend a lot more time this time talking about their data center exposure. Um, you know, that is something they talked about before, but never to, you know, such big extent. Um, and they talked about this huge pipeline of data center that they are in the process of building. And then in 12 months that they have, um, you know, that pipeline will double. Um, you know, this is a company that has global footprint, um, you know, and then they have, you know, the, the, the best client, best client relationship. They have access to, um, you know, huge amount of capital um, through, you know, sovereign wealth fund and large institutions. Um, you know, if anyone can really build out that data center um, sort of uh, footprint and, you know, uh, dominate that space, it's this company. Um, so, you know, share price have done incredibly well since result, but we just think this is something that's, it is a bit of a surprise. It's almost a repositioning of what this company is. Um, look at how Next DC has traded compared to, you know, Goodman Group. It's on, uh, you know, low of sort of team, uh, sort of multiple, um, you know, for double digit growth. That's not even talking about data center demand. Um, you know, so that, that company to us um, was, you know, was fascinating, was quite incredible. Yeah, that's really interesting. So a lot of potential, I guess, positive catalysts could be coming up for Goodman Group. Now, I guess on the flip side, were there any misses um, within your coverage that, you know, not surprised you because you would have been positioned for it, um, but any weak, weaker than maybe even expected? Yeah, look, um, I think there's quite a few results a lot weaker than we expected. Um, look, you know, if you look at, across the mining sector, all of them pretty much had much higher capital expenditure. Um, actually, this is one of the things that we, uh, we uh, one of the things we didn't touch on aside from interest and others, is the capital expenditure a lot higher. Um, uh, um, you know, the likes of we had the reported uh, talking about the capital expenditure more than double what people expecting. Uh, we had a few other names uh, this morning. Uh, well, we had things like Linus talking about high capital expenditure. So anyone that's more intensive sort of capital intensive business as well as people business all have higher costs. Even we're seeing higher costs across healthcare space as well. Now, there's one name we, um, you know, we sort of, um, you know, always love to talk about, uh, which we find, you know, we see incredible value and has disappointed, uh, which is A2 Milk. Um, you know, share price has underperformed meaningfully into the result with very limited expectations of what that result might look like. Um, and um, and uh, come result day, you know, share price was punished for, um, you know, missing uh, the, uh, the expectations marginally for next year, for 2024. Um, actually, instead of missing, it really just saying the earnings will be second half loaded because they've got new product coming through. Um, and to us, you know, underlying 
stories is incredibly positive. They're taking share in China. Reopening is taking place. It's taking longer, uh, but it is taking place. And then we've got the students coming back to Australia for re, you know, rebuilding that Daigo channel. We've got um, you know, everything tracking very well. Uh, hundreds of millions of uh, dollars sitting on the balance sheet in their cash. To us, this uh, you know, the short-termism of investors really creates opportunity um, you know, for business like that. So on the result day, it was sold off meaningfully. It was down something like 12-13%. Um, and uh, you know, we took opportunity to buy back in. And since then, the share price almost recovered that loss. Um, and uh, if anything, in the next next six months, we'll see share price meaningfully higher. Great. So you're still long AT Milk. That's actually really good to hear. So I know as a long short fund, right, with um, your short positions can be quite positive for your fund. What kind of red flags do you look out for when initiating a short? Because I know a lot of our listeners would be interested in hearing that. Oh, absolutely. So look, for us to short, um, a lot of time people say short, oh, you know, you think it's too expensive. Um, how expensive a stock is, is never enough to justify a short position because, um, you know, there could be enough FOMO in the stock that it could rally significantly higher and it is quite risky based on the, um, you know, the, uh, the the valuation. So for us, short is uh, has to be fundamental combined with valuation. You know, it, a company needs to have, um, uh, you know, first, it needs to be very expensive. Secondly, it needs to have, um, you know, earnings that's potentially will disappoint. So the red flag is when you start seeing, um, you know, consensus, um, you know, have big expectations uh, for a company's earning that, you know, after doing research that you think they might miss uh, for a very expensive company. Company, miss on the expectation, you're going to see big share price move. And this is when we actually look at, um, you know, potentially as a short position. Um, and, um, uh, you know, one of the example, you know, it's, it's not a short, but, you know, if you look at uh, uh, WiseTech, for example, this reporting season, delivered a fantastic result, but um, they got it to um, downgrades for 2024, um, you know, even though the earnings still going to grow significantly for the for the next year, um, but the challenge is, WiseTech is probably one of the most expensive company um, listed in the world, um, and probably the most expensive tech company in the world. Uh, even though it's very high quality and the like, but look, it's very expensive. So you know, come result day, when they're disappointed on the outlook, um, and uh, share price was down. I think close to 20%, just over 20%, you know, just incredible loss of wealth, um, you know, in, in that sort of period. Um, so, you know, to us, it's always the valuation combined with, um, you know, the fundamental or the earnings that potentially will miss. Otherwise, it could take a very long time for the company to get cheaper. So that's a really good example. And it sounds like you may hold WiseTech as a short in the portfolio. We know that sometimes fund managers don't like to disclose it, so we won't put you in that position. But that's where, you know, a short does well because like you said, it was expected to be weaker and then it's completely nailed it on the reporting day. So if that is the position, wink, wink, you know, we're glad you have it. So I just want to spend a bit more time if I wind back earlier, you were talking about, you know, A2 Milk um, and an overall China because recently, as you know, the level of, I guess, growth expectations in, in GDP and they did mention that stimulus will you know be slower in the future that's obviously a major concern to a lot of Australian companies that are, are tilted to the Asian consumer so given your background and your expertise in this field what what's your thoughts on it and I guess how are you positioning the portfolio to take in potentially lower growth in the Chinese market going forward yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, that's actually a really, really good question. And there's a lot of um, anticipation and, you know, um, data and 
uh, confusion about that market of what's going to happen. But first, you know, we do have uh, positions in the portfolio that's consumer faced, um, that is China um, sort of influence. So things like A2 and Treasury Y. Now, these two companies does have their own self-help. In the case of A2, we spoke about it before, very strong balance sheet, very strong brand, uh, taking share there in China. Earning was impacted last uh, last 12 months, mainly because of the the hard lockdown in China and also lack of students and traveler here in Australia uh, to form that, you know, rebuild that Daigo channel. Um, But all of these will become tailwind in the next 12 months. Um, And uh, the company is doing everything right with a strong balance sheet. Um, You know, our view is that it's going to perform very well. Um, It's trading very cheap, um, you know, uh, much, much cheaper than the likes of the supermarkets and things. Um, Treasury wines were almost very similar, doing quite well. Um, you know, uh, it's uh, it's trading at the cheap multiple for the growth they're delivering. Um, at the same time, if you compare Treasury wine to the global luxury beverage uh, companies, um, it's really decoupled ever since it lost China as a market. Um, and, uh, um, you know, and to us, that's showing significant value uh, in a premium label. Um, at the same time, you have additional possibility, uh, not possibility, we think it's quite likely that China will reduce, either remove or reduce the tariff on the Australian wine. And that is going to be a significant boost for this company. Uh, and we think it's not very far away. So, you know, and it's also in a very strong balance sheet um, sort of situation. So, um, you know, these two companies almost unique in its own way. Now, turning to your question about China outlook, you know, the consumer, China slowdown and things. Look, I actually think it actually now is represents some quite a meaningful opportunity for the resources sector, which has sort of tracked sideways and the smaller name, the large names, the diversified names sort of tracked sideways for the last six months. And uh, for some of the other smaller resources names that they sort of, you know, just been really being underperforming the entire market because of this China slowdown. Yes, that's right. Data looks really poor in China and the growth target is looking uh, increasingly uh, weaker. But what we are seeing now is that almost every few days we start seeing the headlines about you know government stepping in trying to support share market trying to boost the uh, consumer trying to do all of that this really reminds us of um, a few years ago when Chinese government trying to stabilize the uh, currency trying to stabilize the equity market and then the uh, and then the massive stimulus coming through and we think we are getting very very close we actually started um, you know started positioning ourselves and buying a little bit more uh, in that whole resources complex because they're now representing quite a lot of value they got a really strong balance sheet, right? Uh, even though they have high capex, but they have all of them have very strong balance sheet, um, and uh, their dividend yield is still good. Um, and we do think in the next three months we're coming towards that sort of um, window where you know we will see a lot of stimulus. So that's just more positioning in the portfolio. Um, we've done well in the tech space; <laughs> tech companies done incredibly well. Um, and we just think you know some of these is becoming a little bit more expensive, and you know we're moving a little bit into this resources space. That's really interesting. Because we know China is very important to Australia and it's actually, we've noted that the Chinese-Australian relations are also getting a lot better. So essentially, stay invested. The news is kind of short term, but we really should, you know, give long term really good businesses like A2 Milk and Treasury Wine, um, you know, the go ahead and stay invested there. So let's turn our attention to your fund, the Tribeca Alpha Plus Fund. So over the last 12 months, you've actually outperformed the benchmark by 0.40, returning 12 
12.07%, and the running inception return is 9.22% per annum, being an alpha of 2.53% of the benchmark. Now, just for our listeners, the benchmark is the ASX 200 accumulation index for a reference point. Really excellent figures. So well done to you and your team. Can you actually walk us through your investment selection process and checklist? Because I know everyone wants to hear, how do you get these, you know, the great returns? Yeah, look, um, for us is, um, you know, our investment process is very simple. Um, you know, we have a team of analysts uh, that has been together for a very long time. We go and find the companies that we love. And what's different about us is that we can uh, play both sides. We can buy the companies we love and then short the companies we don't. Um, and uh, what we have found is that when you can do the long short, it really gives you the opportunity to jump at any companies uh, that offers that return opportunity. Um, so, you know, regardless of what in favor or what's not you know let me give you an example um you know 12 months ago when there was um you know there was a lot of fear about uh the value stock should be doing well and no one wants to buy tech companies you know zero i think it hits whether 65 dollars or below 70 dollars um what we could do is that we jump straight in and start accumulating this company we're buying more and more and more for normal fund manager when you start buying more of one thing it makes your portfolio all skewed towards that side so you know suddenly if you start buying more zero make your entire portfolio becomes more expensive so if the bond yield or if the interest rate continue to go higher which it did um, then the valuation will continue to fall so um, in that sense your the portfolio is not protected so how we do it is that we bought zero but then we can go out and short a whole lot of other companies where we believe the valuation is not there uh, they're also in the tech space but they just don't have the valuation support or the fundamental support we believe um, you know should be justified. So net net, our portfolio remained at very neutral space. We didn't skew towards value or growth, uh, but you know, in a way, we have improved the quality of our portfolio and buying the companies that um, eventually market will recognize the value. And now zero sitting at that significantly higher um, sort of valuation, um, you know, we may take some profit and move into something else. So it's that sort of agile nature of our portfolio and stock selection um, really allow us to be uh, just a few steps ahead of everyone else um, because everyone else sort of more hands tied about what you could do and couldn't. Um, you know, just now we we're talking about, you know, potentially resources space, um, you know, most of the manager can't move until it starts to move, whereas we could because we could sort of wear that um, underperformance for a period of time. Within the resources space, we actually, a couple of our shorts have done incredibly well. You know, we have the shorts across the South 32 and AWC, and this reporting season, both of them have delivered a significant amount of value. Um, at the same time, it's cushioning us, giving us the, the money um, so we can go buy other resources companies uh, so should the China come back and that will give us a very strong leverage um, you know to that front so that is what's really unique about us um, aside from you know we are very posh passionate stock pickers and then we're very pragmatic uh, with the strategic positioning uh, and tactical positioning um, and very clear about what our return expectations when we made money uh, like we said before you know with the shorts we made money we're done um, you know we're moving on to the next opportunity there's always a lot of opportunity um, in this marketplace, particularly uh, where most investors are very short term um, and also lack of liquidity, we always there to step in where we feel the value is um, is very clear. Yeah, so you're having fun in this market. I can just tell. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> There's a lot of opportunity for you because we know, you know, on your comment about zero, it's the largest active position in the fund at the moment within the top ten. So.
So that makes a lot of sense. Just a quick, um, if, if I can ask this question before we move on to more ideas that you've got. On zero, so you've just said, look, you're really happy with the numbers. You've done, you positioned it well. You might take a profit soon. So just quickly run us through how you do that. You know, do you just trim off the top or completely exit out? How do you manage that position when you've done so well? Look, I think with zero, um, because I believe the growth is significantly more um, ahead, um, I may trim for tactical reasons. But if I trim, I always look to put into something um, that will give me justify the return. Because, you know, zero for over the next six months, um, my return expectations is probably 10-15%. Um, but if something else, I can expect more of that, I would I may well be, um, you know, putting into those names, but I won't completely sell out because for a high quality company, um, you know, this is often the mistake a lot of investors make. They're trying to be very cute, you know, take profit here and then you never remember to buy back in when it does fall. So for me, it's that for strategic, high quality businesses, um, you know, I always have a holding, you know, don't sell your winners too early. Um, So I will always have a holding there. And then meanwhile, I might trim on the edges, taking 1%, put into something else, always need to be very disciplined about coming back should the share price um, have a have a pullback so so that's kind of how we see it but some other stocks um, if we're just literally positioning for a tactical reason um, you know we will sell out you know we made our return we will sell out or if it's a short position we will buy back uh, to crystallize our game um, and um, and then sometimes you know for a business that we feel it's it's really truly you know fully priced a great business but fully priced uh, there's a couple of those business um, you know within tech space we've done incredibly well uh, we held it for 12 months it's done very well for us and we just felt got a bit too expensive um, for you know sort of 10-15% growth business um, so you know in that case we will move it out and put into something else um, but look if the share price fall we'll come back in we always believe you know active is great because it gives you the opportunity to come back to a quality company when it gets sold off to take advantage of that share price volatility yeah 100% so I love the fact that you're not emotional you're very methodical about it and clearly it's working because as we said earlier you know the fund performance is very impressive 9.22% per annum beating benchmark over 200 basis points so again well done to you and the team there at Tribeca now coming up we're going to be hearing more about June's top high conviction ideas maybe they're tactical maybe they're long term we're going to discuss that more with her plus some more about the shorts positions and I guess the overall outlook and key themes that Tribeca and June are keen for for 2024 so don't go anywhere as we've got really great market insights coming up right after we hear from our sponsors. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
And we are back. So let's spend some time on a couple of key ideas that you've got for us, because here at Talk Money To Me, we love investable ideas. It can be tactical, like you just mentioned, or long-term. So what would be your top idea at the moment and why? Top idea, there's lots of them. So A2 we already touched on. Uh, let's put that aside. It's great, it's cheap, it's good balance sheet, and uh, it will come back. Um, and great growth and not expensive. Um, so, But there's another one, which is actually quite interesting. Given the recent share price move, um, I think it's now providing a very fantastic opportunity. That is Smart Group. Now it is a small cap. Um, it um, you know it provides innovative leasing, uh, operates in the innovative leasing space. Um, you know uh, the the company is expected to grow um, in the mid teens or double digits for the next 12, 18 and two years or even more. Um, the company is has officially entered a um, sort of a upgrade cycle, if you like. And um, yet share price has fallen. Um, I think it's fallen more than fifteen percent since result. Why is that? Well, um, the company has the share price rallied aggressively into the result. That's the first reason. Um, and um, you know, waiting for um, for the uh, electric vehicle uh, sort of pickup. You know, expecting that to be a very significant part of the earning. Um, you know, it is, but it was a little bit behind expectation. Just taking a little bit longer to come through because um, uh, one of the big policy change for the innovative leasing space is that late last year government has now taken away the payroll tax and. Uh, luxury vehicle tax away from uh, the low-end electric vehicle to really encourage the you know take up of electric vehicle here in Australia. Ever since they removed that, we have seen significant interest in pickup um, in this um, you know electric vehicle uh, pipeline through Novated Lease. Now, Smart Group being the Pure play, purer play in that space is going to have significant, um, you know, uh, tailwind to to grow that pipeline. The only thing is because it's so new, um, you know, as you know, when you have a pipeline, when people talk about they wanted the leasing, it take time to deliver the vehicle, and because we have the supply side disruption, um, the vehicle is taking longer to be delivered. Um, so that's why we're seeing the pipeline being incredibly strong and it's just really taking time for the vehicle to be delivered and then they can recognize the revenue. Um, you know, so the result they delivered was a good result um, and uh, they talked to a very strong pipeline and everyone upgraded and yet, yet share price has fallen because the investors became impatient. So um, so to us, this is a great buying opportunity. Share price back to 15 times earnings, growing double digit in the upgrade cycle very strong balance sheet um, and um, and then this uh, electric vehicle um, uh, sort of penetration will get higher and higher and this is the only really pure play to purer way to play this um, I see that as a very you know strong tactical opportunity uh, to really gain that kind of exposure in six months everyone will be talking about it oh I love it I love it June Oh, that is some strong conviction there. Now, I know that um, there's a bit of a key theme, I think, going on. A lot of investor impatience this reporting season. Now, we really love that small cap growth idea. So the code for our listeners is actually SIG. Now, I'm going to be a little bit cheeky here because your investment thesis is just that good. Can you give us another top idea? Oh, okay. Yeah, another top idea. Look, this one will be um, a, li- a little bit boring, but it will. It's very defensive. That's CSL. <laughs> Look, it's, yes, it's a little bit boring, but 
It's very defensive. You can't go wrong. Well, look, you can't go wrong with this one. It is very cheap. It's been sold off massively um, because they missed the earnings guidance a very little bit um, heading towards the results. The result actually turned out to be better than expected. Um, and it's because of majority because of the currency impact. Um, strong cash flow. This is a company that deliver growth um, year in, year out for decades. And next three years, it will deliver teens growth every single year for the next three years. Yes, incredible business. Um, talking about how it can also now improve the yield of its uh, uh, its product and the pricing environment strong. Um, now collection, blood collection, because they need to collect the blood to produce their products. Uh, the collections up, um, you know, prices up. So everything's going the right way. Um, and to us, um, you know, it's really almost a little bit forgotten because it's too big <laughs> for people to pay attention. So it's almost a little bit forgotten at this point. Um, you know, share prices on. Uh, if you look at the valuation compared to to its history, uh, probably the cheapest in the last decade. Um, and this is the company um, you know that anyone should have in their portfolio. Um, incredibly stable. Whether you know global economy hit recession or not, this company will deliver that growth for you. Um, and um, and then the tailwind tailwind is quite significant in the next couple of years. Uh, so yeah, so this one is uh, anyone should have it in their portfolio. Hundred percent agree with you. Just for your background, we do what we call like an autopad episode, and I pitched it recently. So loving it. Music to my ears. CSL go long and top it up or buy some good opportunity. So when we think about, you mentioned you know quality companies that are defensive and quote unquote you know boring, but hey, they ride the recessionary tide really well so that makes me think about you know what's Tribeca in your opinion on on Australia going into recession because we've talked a lot about shorts and how you do it I guess if you are negative a little bit run us through your short themes for you to tactically get in like how are you pricing that in case we do go into recession so look, we think that you know we might be uh, okay in terms of um, not hitting the recession, but it really it depends on uh, where the interest rate might go. And at this point, it certainly looks like the interest rate sort of staying at where it is. And then based on corporate earnings, uh, looks like we're sort of maneuvering into that slowdown rather than a recessionary environment. Um, but if we start seeing inflation picking up again or becoming too stubborn, and looks like the interest rate is going higher, then we become very cautious as a long short portfolio. You know, this is when we start building more shorts in areas where weakness will uh, start appearing, which is, you know, uh, we, we all know will be in the consumer sector. Um, right now, consumer sector having a bit of a um, you know rebound because things aren't too bad, so we're not hitting recession. But if it does, they will fall very very quickly. And as a, as a longshore manager, we'll quickly build positions in those areas. Um, banks will struggle. Um, you know, your your cyclicals will definitely struggle. Well, I guess that kind of brings me into my next question, right? The fund is currently heavily weighted towards materials, energy, tech, and healthcare compared to the ASX 200 index and actually underweight consumer staples, financials, and real estate. Because the fund is underweight financials, do you think you're kind of limiting the upside if we do have a rally in financials? And I guess what is the thinking behind the underweight sector allocation here? So financials is really, when you think about it, it's really the banks. Um, And to us, the banks is fairly valued. Um, at this point. Um, Look, 
you know, if we're not hitting recession, the banks looks kind of okay. Uh, their earnings will fall um, a little bit. Uh, the capital position is strong. Um, you know, the uh, competition for funding will increase, so that means the margin will continue to fall. So, the, in in another words, um, they already hit hit their peak earnings, and it's on the way down. Uh, it's not super expensive. Only one bank is very expensive, which is CBA, the top quality bank. Um, but everything else kind of doesn't look too expensive. But it's harder to see where it might go. Now, in the environment where the market rally, it's actually very hard to see market rally, um, you know, driven by the banks. Because when we think about what's being left behind, market has rallied in the last six months that we saw lead by the technology companies, right, the tech. And the reason they rally is because, you know, they're defensive and, you know, the bond yield stabilizing and that's it. Now, the next period where you will rally, first of all, it's hard to see the technology com company become more and more expensive. It's a little bit harder to see that. And But what we will see is the cyclical component. Um, economy not doing too badly. Maybe some of the cyclical names will run. China maybe not doing too badly. We'll see the resources run. Um, in that sort of environment, it's actually harder to see the bank because they've never really fallen that much. <laughs> um, and uh, even though it gives you a dividend yield, um, but it doesn't run. Um, you know, it doesn't become the leader leader in the next leg of um, sort of a market um, market growth. Um, you know, you'll see everyone jump back into the cyclical names, whether it's retail or whether it's uh, the others. Staple is interesting. We underway staple. Um, you know, we do have A uh, two, and then we have the uh, the treasury wine, but we underway the supermarkets um, because to us they have been a big beneficiary of COVID, and if anything, they're earnings are not going to grow for the next 12 months. They were very expensive um, and now the share price has come off somewhat, particularly in names like Kohl's, um, but it just there's no earnings growth for a big 20-something uh, multiple just too expensive. Um, and so in the environment where the market does rally, these will become funders. Telstra will become funders um, because they just done so well. So to us, these are the defensive that's just gone too far um, and they will be the ones that got left behind in the next 12 months. The comeback of cyclicals, we love it. That makes a lot of sense and why you're weighted in those sectors at the moment. I guess another sector that's done really well and getting a lot of headlines in the Australian market is energy because, you know, we saw crude oil run up really hot in July. Having Woodside in the portfolio for anyone has done really nicely overall to, to the alpha. I guess Woodside is, is a really interesting and large cap one you can't ignore in the Australian market, but have you got any other exposures to new energy in the portfolio that you can talk about? New energy, yeah. Look, we have um, all these large to us, those large businesses are doing a lot in terms of trying to uh, grow that side, the green energy and the like. You know, we have a little bit of Santos as well, um, and then the Woodside. To us, these are companies that uh, are market leaders and they have a lot of market leaders in terms of investing into a lot of those newer space um, and they shouldn't be ignored um, and you know every effort if you look at CentOS every effort is made to trying to transition the business into something else um, so for us you know we're happy to sit in all of that but uh, if we look across our other entire portfolio you know we are positioned across um, some of other areas where you know there's structural growth to underpin them things like lithium um, uh, you know because to us 
uh, the future of EV is real. Um, you know, many years ago, we used to sort of second guess what this might be and might not be. But now we know this trend is real. And the demand for the battery technology is huge. And we still lack the new technology uh, to really replace the requirement for the lithium and the like, particularly for the high quality reserve they uh, we have here in Australia and much le less risk as well. So, you know, we like the names like Pilbara Mineral um, and, um, you know, and I think they're, they're very well positioned in terms of, uh, um, you know, where they, where, where, they, where they might go. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been talking about on Talk Money to Me the whole decarbonisation theme, Paris's 2030 goals. So we really like those thematics and investments as well. This has been honestly such an insightful and interesting episode. So to finish off, we'd really like to do a quick speed round with you designed to be short and intuitive responses. So my first one is, do you have any bold predictions about the markets or global economy to play out in the near term? Market is heading higher in the near term. <laughs> uh, China will come back. Yes. <laughs> China will come back and uh, we will have um, meaningful stimulus to come through. I love it. All right. What if you could be a CEO of any listed company anywhere in the world? What would it be? <laughs> That's a hard one. <laughs> well, I would love to be the CEO of Guman Group. Um, and, um, you know, I just think it's an incredible business and, uh, you know, very, very strong fundamental. Um, and then the exposure to that whole new, um, you know, future that they are building the future infrastructure um, and to me this is uh, you know you know this company now will be around for 50 years and they will still grow um, I just think that's quite incredible uh, and there's no other way of gaining proper exposure to AI at this point because it's it's difficult you know um, as part of Microsoft and part of all, all of that it's still small components um, and early stage tech company with AI is harder but you know I think with that business it's um, it, it, we certainly see that clear growth trajectory. Next one for you is what advice would you give a young, inspiring female wanting to get into finance? Because you're very passionate. So we'd love to hear that. Look, I think this is a, what your time is now to um, to be part of finance. I think, you know, uh, the, the industry has grown significantly in terms of diversity and things. Um, there's a lot of opportunities for a young female, male and female, um, as long as you're passionate and love what you do. Um, you know, there's a great career path across many industries now, or many, um, many sectors, um, fund, funds management, sell side, buy side. Um, there's a lot of graduate program to get through. Um, and there's also what's great is that there's now a lot of senior women around as well um, as a role model, um, you know, just to show that we can get there. <laughs> we can get there. Um, and uh, as long as you, you know, that's what you love to do and it's possible. So, you know, I think time is now to be part of this industry. Exactly. And if you love what you do, it doesn't actually feel like working. I mean, we feel like that a lot of the time. So who's your favorite child, actually, after Treasury or A2? Oh, so um, look, uh, just in terms of portfolio, not so much about tactical. Um, uh, Prometicus has been a long holding in my portfolio for many, 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 many years now. Um, I kind of grew with the with the business. Um, it's one of those companies that's super expensive, um, but has an amazing contract, amazing franchise around the world huge growth rate and also has been you know doing this AI and cloud computing for a very long time um, you know to me this is something is also a core holding in the ship portfolio okay so sorry treasury wine or a2 milk Prometicus is the favorite child and our last question here is coffee tea or tequila 
Oh, tequila. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. A glass of margarita is what we're going to have. <laughs> oh, excellent. We can have a spicy margarita because they're my favorite. That's right. Thank you so much for joining us today here on Talk Money to Me. If our listeners would like to learn more about the Alpha Plus Fund or any other investment opportunities Tribeca offers, head to their website, which is T-R-I-B-E-C-A-I-P.com. Thank you so much for having me. It's amazing. Thank you. Wow, Felicity, I just love speaking to excellent fund managers like June Mei Lu. She really knows her stuff. She's very passionate and, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping all of her stock convictions come to play because as she said, maybe short term, you know, near term news, but the market is going up long term love that. That's it. I actually think we've got a similar investment philosophy as well. So it's really nice to get that reassurance there that we're on the right track. Now, before we sign off, please remember that although Candice and I are financial advisors at Shore & Partners, please note our discussion today does not constitute personal financial advice. As always, you should seek professional advice before making any of your financial or investment decisions. And everything discussed is based on facts known at the time, which is the 29th of August, 2023. That's right. End of reporting season, end of August, another month about to tick over in the markets so if you've enjoyed this show as always we'd appreciate a review and of course a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts we're also trying to build up our coverage on instagram and exposure there so we'd love a follow on instagram our handle is at talk money to me podcast where we do daily market updates until next time bye bye talk money to me is a product of equity mates media All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Talk Money to Me are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Talk Money to Me acknowledge the traditional custodians and country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.